This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asians to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is David Choi. David is the co-founder and CEO of Taco, a venture-backed creator, first video platform that helps creatives build businesses through the social economy. Taco is built for creators by creators. In his former years, David built a following as a singer, songwriter, producer, and one of the earliest creators on YouTube since 2006, and founder of independent record company, Choi's Music Inc. David's music has been heard on NBC, Fox, VH1, MTV, Disney, and retail stores all over the world and has partnered with major brands such as Kellogg's American Cancer Society, GE, Google, Samsung, and Toyota. On YouTube, he has close to a million subscribers and over 125 million total video views. David has appeared on a Larry King as a guest and is regularly invited to speak at schools, panels, and events around the world. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really happy to be here. We're so excited to have you. You guys can't see the screen right now. I'm like smiling really big because I've been following <laughs> David since, since almost near the beginning, to be honest. Uh, wow. David, um, can you tell us about your upbringing and where you grew up and what was that like? Totally. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in, in Orange County. Um, you know, my, my parents immigrated here from, from Korea. My mom uh, moved here when she was in high school. Um, I grew up in actually Garden Grove, um, West Garden Grove to be more, um, exact. Um, you know, I, I grew up with, uh, there weren't a lot of Asians where I lived. Um, I know Garden Grove, there's a Korea town, but that's more on the East side. And, and so I, I grew up, uh, you know, kind of in the suburbs of, of Garden Grove, um, parents worked at, a, at a, on their business. Uh, they had a music store since I was five. Um, and, uh, you know, I, we go to after school program, uh, like YMCA, the Boys and Girls Club, because uh, my parents were working all the time. And so um, I would walk over there and then uh, get picked up. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just, was just a normal kid, just a normal kid doing normal things, getting into trouble sometimes. Um, but, yeah. I like that. You know, you mentioned that your parents own a music store. Like, has that played an influence on you pursuing a music career? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was actually forced to play music because my my dad's side of the family they're all they're all musical. My mom's side's more on the artsier side. Uh, but in our household, my mom's I, I would say she was kind of like the leader of the family. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe Tara. Um, and so uh, yeah, I, I think uh, you know growing up in a um, in a household where you know they they run a music store, I had access to essentially every instrument, um, that you can think of. Um, but as a, as a kid, I didn't really appreciate it. Uh, in fact, I didn't like music that much, uh, because I was just surrounded by it. And, and, and obviously that, that changed later on in my, in my life. So. Oh, wow. wow. Amazing. And so since both of your parents are, you know, either musicians or creators and artists, did they have any expectations of like, what kind of career path you, you know, should go in? You know, they were always kind of open about that, but I knew deep down inside they wanted me to pursue what most Asian parents want their kids to pursue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it always comes from a good place, obviously, because they want their kids to have a better life than they did. And, um, you know, I remember as a kid, I was, I would always tell my parents that I'd become, um, a doctor and a lawyer. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) even when I was saying that I definitely didn't, um, uh, believe it. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to say what they wanted to hear. Uh, but I think eventually, um, you know, they, they kind of let me do my thing. Um, and didn't really say you had to do this or that. 
and so it, they were pretty flexible, I would say. But deep down inside, they probably all had saying <laughs> those things. So no worries. I, I told my parents a lot of things they want to hear too. Growing up, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we all do, right? <laughs> I got yeah. it. No worries. And turning point was like in the early twenties. Oh, psych. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I know that listen to your other podcast too, like David. So, and even jazzy recently, uh, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that, you know, you started your career in in songwriting and in producing. And that was, that seems to be the main focus early on. How'd you get into like becoming an artist and producing your own videos? And what was that directory like? Yeah. For, for the songwriting side. I mean, I grew up playing violin and piano, taking private lessons uh, absolutely hated it. Um, you know, when I was in, when I was 16 in high school, this kid brought in a CD and he played some techno music. Um, and he was like, Oh, I made this. And that, that, that phrase, I, I made this music really resonated with me. Um, I was really, really shy. And I just remember thinking to myself at that time, like, Oh, wow, you can create music. You don't, you don't have to like be a performer. You can actually just make music. And, and so I went home that night and I had a keyboard that was in the house and I started just writing music. I didn't really know that I could do that, but I kind of knew in my head, I was, I was always making melodies in my head. And, and so when I had that keyboard in front of me, I took out some uh, composition paper and I started writing, composing like the, the, the notes and the chords and everything that I was playing. Um, and that's when I got hooked. Um, and I was like, you know, I saw music from a completely different perspective Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was able to create it myself. Yeah, I, I love that a lot too. I, re- I remember back in those days too, because I think we're roughly around the same age, David, like oh five, oh six ish. <laughs> so those days where you know you make this little cool trance CDs and <laughs> you put it inside your car, and that's like the yep. hip thing to do. Except you're you're way more talented than I am. I tried making music before too in high school, and it's, it's like. All right, I'm never never gonna share these CDs at all. You know, that's when I started like going on YouTube and like. I saw a collaboration with you in, in Jenny Ong, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a, a video a long time ago. So Jenny and, I, Jenny and I went to elementary school, middle school and high school together oh, wow. to, see, yeah. to see her in your video. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Like people are doing really cool things, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. So how did you start thinking like, okay, I'm making music now. Maybe I should, you know, post this online somewhere. Like how did this all come about? Yeah. Uh, so at the time when I started YouTube, I was actually uh, a writer, signed writer at writer producer at Warner Chapel Music, which is a big publishing company. And I was writing songs for a living. It was my dream job. It was everything I wanted when I first started uh, when I was 16. And um, <clears throat> I was pretty burnt out. I was writing songs all the time and trying to pitch them to artists. And that in itself is is very exhausting. And it's a, it's a lot of pressure and work. And, um, I just wanted kind of like a release and just wanted to write something just for fun. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when I wrote the YouTube love song that's still on YouTube today and I uploaded it. Um, and then it got featured. And, and the reason why I uploaded it being, you know, like I mentioned, I was a very shy person, um, and, and very just, you know, I wasn't really good with, with talking to people and, the reason why I put it up was it didn't really feel like I wasn't trying to be an artist at that time either. Um, I I wanted to experiment and see what this thing was, this internet, this YouTube thing, where if you upload a video, you can instantly get comments. It didn't seem like real people, to be honest. It just felt like I'm just kind of reading feedback as you would on a forum or something. Yeah. Uh, Because back then it was a weird thing to upload a video of yourself. And I I wanted to see what, what would happen if I did, Mm -hmm. uh, I was very uh, curious about that. And so I did. And then it got featured uh, on the homepage of YouTube. Uh, And at that time, when you look at the homepage of YouTube, there are only a few videos that are featured at any given time. And so my, I went on YouTube and I saw my face there and I was like, Oh my gosh, I was like getting all sweaty and just nervous. (laughs) Like, what do I do? Like, what what, what do I do here? Um, And uh, that's kind of what started everything actually. Um, and that's when I went on this crazy journey of, of YouTube and social media. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so just for a point of reference too, was this like one or two years out of high school? Like what was the point mm-hmm. of reference like? 
Yeah. So um, I graduated high school in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was uh, going to community college and, and tra- uh, transferring over to, to USC. Uh, and that's when I got signed um, around 19, when I was like 19 years old. Uh, 19 to 20 is when I started. Um, uh, well, I started YouTube in 2006. So mm-hmm. years out of high school. So yeah, I was around, yeah, 20, 19, 20. That's awesome. I mean, can we talk quickly about the collaborations you had throughout your music career? I know you collaborate with so many different people. What are some memorable, yeah. memorable collaborations? Um, man, I mean, my friends, um, I've, I've collaborated, collaborated as a musician and also just as, uh, just making cameos as, you know, David Choi, the YouTuber, um, you know, Wong Fu has been a big part of my journey. Um, they, they worked on a lot of music videos for me. Uh, Kina Grannis is a really dear friend of mine. Um, I, I got to collaborate with um, more recently, like, you know, um, in the recent years, Ryan Higa and just a bunch of YouTube friends, Justin Chan. Um, you know, uh, I guess the most recent collaboration that I, it, it's not really a collaboration, but um, I had a song that I wrote with Kina Grannis that was uh, featured in a movie called Finding Ohana that's out right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jude, Jude, the director, I've known her since the beginning of when I first started YouTube. And, um, you know, it, it's just crazy kind of like how that all kind of came full circle. And um, Ryan Higa is also in that movie as well. So uh, <laughs> kind of cool to see that sort of things play out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And you're definitely, you know, a pioneer for a lot of Asian American artists on YouTube. How have you seen the kind of like Asian representation change over the years in terms of like media on -hmm. YouTube, artists, creators? Yeah, uh, I think it's super. I find random Asian American YouTubers and artists nowadays. And I'm like, I, I've never heard of these people and they're so talented. Um, And I find it, really cool to see that because when I started, um, there was nobody, um, there was no Asian musician on the internet for that matter. I couldn't find, I actually remember looking for them, um, and I couldn't find it and it was kind of sad, but also I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe there's a space for us. You know, it was, it was always back then. It was, there was always an uncertainty. Um, in, in, even in, in terms of being Asian American, right. We have a, I think, my generation, we have a little bit of a different perspective and an experience of being Asian American versus the the, the Gen Z um, Asian Americans now that are out there. Uh, I think um, a lot more people are more very confident about their Asian American identity. Um, I think that's amazing. Because um, I, I, I remember growing up uh, at a certain point, even being ashamed of being Asian, actually. Uh, and and it, it took time for me to really feel comfortable in my own skin. So uh, I, I'm i very encouraged by where uh, where we are as a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak from a perspective of an old man. Now that I look at our generation and the new generation, I'm like, they have it easy. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I remember yeah. just posting on Instagram back in the day. I'm like, ah, oh, should I post the Asian side of myself? Is it gonna be seen too weirdly? And nowadays I go on TikTok or something, I see like people posting like Asian food, anime. Yeah. I'm like, man, it's you guys haven't now. eaten. No, I'm just kidding. We always say that. Every, yeah. Including the generation before us too. Remember they always say, oh, you guys have it easy. And now we're like, ah, oh, they have it easy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, every, every generation, I think kind of uh, makes it a little bit easier for the next generation. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I even know some um, people who are a little bit older than me who've been in entertainment for a while. And the, the, the things that they had to go through um, to make our jobs easier, um, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for them. And, um, and I think it's, uh, we have a long way to go, but um, I think we're heading in the right direction. And that's, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely agree. You also mentioned, you know, when you were first starting out on YouTube, you were very shy, right? And like, I can relate to that really well because I I feel like I'm very shy. And I, I think it also has to deal with just like, being Asian, like, you know, Asians have this um, kind of stereotype that we're docile and we're quiet. And so how did you kind of grow out of that mindset of being shy? Like, do you still get shy when you're performing or did you grow out of it? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
You know, what's actually very surprising is a lot of the artists that I've, I've, I've met, um, even some big artists as well. Uh, they're actually a lot of the times on the introverted side, Yeah. just when they perform or they talk, um, publicly, it, it, it appears as if they're not, it's just more of like, they've polished themselves basically to be able to speak in front of people. Um, I would say to overcome, uh, shyness, at least for me, what I did was I had to convince myself in, in, uh, kind of like, <laughs> it's gonna sound funny, but I had to tell myself there's more reasons to not be shy and to become more extroverted, mm -hmm. uh, than to just remain shy. Mm. And so I had to like do this work on, on myself, mm -hmm. um, just like saying, no, there's, there's so many good reasons. Like, look at all these extroverted people out there. They have so many friends and like, they're able to speak confidently and uh, they just always seem to be having a great time. And in my mind, I was like, that's that my, my introverted side would fight against it saying, no, nah, just, just be introverted. Just be shy. You don't have to learn how to do all that stuff. Like, you know, and then, and, and, and so um, because of the industry I was in, in, in me having to perform, um, you know, that was something that also kind of helped me ease into the more, I guess, extroverted side of my personality. Um, I think YouTube helped a lot because yeah. I, I get, I got to ease my way into developing uh, that part of myself. Um, you know, I wanted to always, I always strive to be a balanced human being, um, and understanding different perspectives and, uh, you know, seeing the, 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 the pros of, of different perspectives basically. And, and so, uh, for me, I think performing helped a lot, um, with, with that it made me a lot more confident, um, in myself as well. Well, that's, right. that's so powerful to mm -hmm. hear because, you know, from our perspective, we're like, Every time we see you perform, every time we see you talk, we're like, this guy's so confident. He has it all <laughs> together. And I, I just remember thinking about that in like 2007, 2008 too, because I was going through my own personal transformation where I was just looking at other Asian people and seeing how they talk, seeing how they carry themselves because I wasn't sure how to carry myself. And I've seen mm. your interviews. I've seen the way you talk. And, and to see that 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 you're you're just human like all of us, like you have to go through your own struggles to figure out how to present yourself. It, it's so, so powerful to hear, you know, especially for us and the newer generations too, because now that we have uh, more TikTok stars on our podcast as well, we realize that, you know, they have two different personas. They're so confident and funny and acting on TikTok. And when you talk to them on the podcast, it's like, it takes a while to warm them up to, to get them comfortable, you know? And that's, that to me, it's like, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, you know, like I thought you guys were born with that skill, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's worked on over time. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're all, we're all human and we all have, uh, you know, it, this whole journey of life is really about growing and, and getting, you know, getting better, um, in all yeah. aspects of our lives. So right. absolutely Definitely. agree. And so we'd love to know about like your writing process. You know, I, I, we know that you draw a lot of inspiration from like certain life events for your songs. What do you normally do while you're writing in the process of writing? And what does that look like? Do you like drink a beer? Do you like take a walk? <laughs> um, I, I've done that before for sure. Um, you know, inspiration comes from, you know, your, your life. And uh, when it comes to the creative side of, of songwriting, um, in music, uh, it really depends on the person. But for me, it always came at random times. Like, uh, sometimes I'll be showering and have an idea or I'll be about, to, you know, about to fall asleep. And then I'll think of some melody or uh, a topic that I want to, you know, jot down. So I always write down, um, things in my notes on, on my phone. And I, I use the recorder sometimes to, to sing little melodic ideas. And that's been really helpful to capture that, um, inspiration in that moment. Uh, but then there's also times where I will hear it back the next day or a week later and be like, oh, that was horrible. Um, and then I'll just delete it. Um, but uh, in terms of inspiration, I'd say most of the the songs that I have, um, you know, it's from my real life experiences. Um, you know, you'd be surprised at how many different songs you can write from just even one relationship um, <laughs> or one, one thought. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's kind of where, where my inspiration comes from. Awesome. Yeah, awesome that. to hear. So just to transition the podcast a bit. So we are the Asian Hustler Network and we you know we know you're a tech founder now. What yeah. was the transition like becoming a musician and now a CEO? 
Yeah, tell us a little bit about Taco, you know, what was inspiration mm -hmm. behind that? Yeah, for sure. So Taco, um, what we like to describe it is the, you know, we, we describe it in a lot of different ways, but our, our main thing is the YouTube for short form content. Mm -hmm. And so our goal here is really centered around creatives. And um, I mean, if you know my story, like I, I built a career on YouTube. Uh, I think most, a lot of people don't know this, but I was also one of the first uh, YouTubers to be a part of the partner program. Mm -hmm. where when you watch a YouTube video, you see the video and you see an ad next to it, I would get a piece of that ad. And that's how YouTubers make money mm -hmm. um, from a percentage of the advertising revenue. And so uh, that was an amazing thing that YouTube did for, for all of us creators because I was able to take that money, put it back into my career, and that essentially let me uh, allowed me to travel around the world playing music for a living for the next mm -hmm. 10 plus years of my life. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was an opportunity that they gave and Throughout that time, I was always a bit frustrated with the other platforms that were out there. Uh, I'm not going to name them, but you know, all of them. Um, and, and one of the things that frustrated me was that how come <clears throat> YouTube was the only platform that compensated creators for their content? You know, um, most of these social networks, less than 1% of them are the ones creating the content um, for the 99% to consume, 99.9 sometimes. And so clearly the creators are very valuable they should be treated um, fairly and, and, and with dignity and respect and all that. Um, and so I was always, I was like, you know, the, the, I was waiting for a platform to appear that I kind of had those sort of, um, you know, uh, ideas and, um, and whatnot. So uh, that's what kind of birthed the idea of, of Taco and what we're working on right now. Um, it's not out yet, but we are, we are building it and, and we're trying to, uh, have it be a platform where if you're a creative person or you're, you're already an existing content creator, this is a place where you can upload your content and be compensated uh, for uh, when, when people watch your content. And it, and it has all the other social sort of uh, features that are out there as well. That's so exciting. Like we can't wait for the official launch to happen. And we're looking at your profile quickly too and, and crunch base like, Oh, congratulations <laughs> on all the, all the success and money you're raising for this idea. So that's awesome, man. Out of curiosity too, like, was there any particular skill set or mindset that you carry over from like being a musician over to being an entrepreneur? Like, did it prepare you in any way? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, one of the things that people don't know about the, the creator space is that, content creators are hustlers. Um, you <laughs> oh, have, yeah. you're, they're entrepreneurs. You, you know, when I look back and, and I'm and grabbing the, the, the experiences that I've had and bringing it into the more kind of corporate sort of a startup world, um, there's a lot of things that can translate over. And I think the big thing for me was that um, having that drive, I think that drive and that, that hustler mentality is extremely important for any individual um, to, to, succeed and to achieve your goals. Mm -hmm. um, for me, uh, you know, being a musician, I was not only a performer, but I also uh, managed a lot of my own, you know, business as well um, with administration, like the, just, just the administrative work involved with being a musician with publishing and, and contracts and uh, you know, performance, like, you know, there's like a lot of things like performance rights organizations and signing up for different services and, and maintaining your royalties. Those are all things that you kind of have to understand to, to keep your business afloat um, as a musician, um, including logistics, marketing, sales. You have to do all that stuff, working with brands, um, uh, negotiating. Uh, it's a part of any business, right? And so uh, I, I think that really helps me a lot um, in, in, in what I'm doing now. Uh, you know, one of the things that I feel that, you know, something that I'm working on right now is more so uh, taking the, the leadership position um, and understanding what that, what it means to be a leader and, and what it means to be able to work with the team. Um, before I had a team uh, as a musician, um, but it wasn't as close knit as, as it is now. Um, so I think that's something that I'm, I'm, I've, I've learned uh, that was similar to my past, but uh, you know, there's some relations there. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, what, what really, uh, one of the things that I feel uh, kind of uh, that I can take from, from my previous um, job, I guess you could say, um, was it's really about the relationships that you build with people. Mm -hmm. 
you know, when it comes, I know I'm going off on a little tangent here, but like it. Yeah, Continue on. Good. <laughs> <laughs> even when it comes to working with brands, I know a lot of people, um, when I see the, the, um, Gen Z content creators, it's like, Oh, I've, I remember doing a lot of these or going through this very similar thing. Um, and have seen multiple iterations of this mm-hmm. sort of, uh, you know, um, journey that they're going on. Um, it, it really boils down to the relationships. And when people think about brands, they don't really think about the person that they're dealing with at that brand. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, they're there for, to re- yes, to represent the brand, but they're, they're also human beings. And so one of the things that um, I like to tell people is that, um, you know, think of the person and, and build the relationship with the person mm-hmm. as opposed to thinking of it, oh, it's just that brand's, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. or or the brand is whatever, right? It, it's the person that you're dealing with. Right. A good example of that is um, I, have a, I have a friend who um, I worked with long ago, uh, you know, probably from back in 2008. And <clears throat> this person moved on from working at the agency and now is working uh, at a big corporation, um, a big brand. And um, still to this day, we're friends and we still work together. And it's really about that. It's not about the company. So I know I'm repeating myself a lot, but, no, uh, like but, uh, but that, uh, that's something that I, I, I really hope people can um, really hold close uh, to themselves because it's, that's what really served me well. Um, yeah. 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 That's really awesome tip and advice too. And, you know, uh, this is just my own personal curiosity, but how would you just, how would you describe the entrepreneurial process? Just like complete honest. Yeah. And being a first time sound, being a first time tech founder, you know, what were some of the challenges also and struggles of being a first time tech founder? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it, I had to deal with a lot of um, uh, imposter syndrome. Um, you know, uh, I, I actually have a, um, an executive coach that I work with as well. And it's, it's been extremely helpful. Um, her name's Susan and, um, one of the things I had to deal with was within myself was, uh, am I good enough to be able to do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, first time tech founder, um, clearly when you're first time, there are a lot of things you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what she empowered me to, to believe and, and I found to be true, um, just looking back on, on the journey so far is that, um, I do know, I do know what how things should be, should, should be run. I do know what works and what doesn't. Um, and I think that comes down to other, like when, when I think about other folks as well, who are in the same, uh, space or just, uh, being an entrepreneur, I think a lot of people deal with self-confidence issues. And I think if you're smart enough, um, if you, if you can almost like grab the, 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 the confidence that you don't have. And if it was like an object and you can just pull it out and you throw it out there and then you operate from that mindset, then I feel that's much more healthier. And in fact, it's actually um, how we should be as entrepreneurs. We should be thinking that way. We should be confident in our decisions. You know, uh, the reason why we aren't confident is because we feel like we're going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And here's the hard truth is that whether you're confident or not, whether you're experienced or not, you will always still make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the most important thing is along this journey, you know, trying to minimize the number of mistakes, you're never going to make zero mistakes, mm-hmm. but the, the more important thing is how do you get through that? Right. How do you, how do you find a solution quickly and move past it? Yeah. Right. Instead of dwelling on it, dwelling on it is, is not good. As long as you can learn from like, not to be confused with learning from it and taking that along with you, that experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I kind of see it as if I draw it out, it's like a, it's like you're on a hill right, or, or a mountain and along the mountain, there's like walls and, right. and they exist. They will always be there no matter who you are, whether you're, you know, experienced or not smart or not, it doesn't even matter. It's once you get to this wall, what do you do? Are you going to break it down? Or are you going to climb over it? Are you going to walk around it? Or are you just going to stand there? If you stand there, you're not going to be able to hit these these uh, milestones in your life, and so that's kind of like the mindset that I have. Um, yes, there are times when I'm not confident. Of course, there are times when I'm like, "Oh, what am I doing?" Or like, "Am I doing this the right way?" Or you know, but those are all things that are healthy to to feel 
but it's not help, healthy to dwell on them because that's what keeps people from growing. It's the same concept as, you know, uh, working out. When you work out your muscles, you're tearing your muscle. That's not a, you know, it's, it's tearing. It's literally tearing your muscle. Right. And then when you stop and it heals and it gets bigger, right. Or it gets more toned or whatever, whatever your goals are. Yeah. And, and so, um, without those struggles that you experience on your journey, um, you're not going to grow period. Right. Yeah. The people that are afraid of making mistakes that typically will not get to their destination. And, and, and that, I think everybody just needs to have a new relationship or a new definition of what mistakes are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes they're there to help you grow. So yeah. I love that. I love that analogy, that visual that you kind of put with someone going up the hill or a mountain and there's certain walls and those walls could represent anything from like challenges or distractions, like distractions, like pulling you away from your goal or self-doubt or self-doubt. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you know, the only way that you can go up that hill is to really figure out how you're going to either like go around that wall or jump over it. Yeah. And we know that you're like all about self-improvement. Um, you know, you are on your own self-improvement train as well. And, you know, Brian and I have seen you grow into, you know, such an incredible You're our best friend, person. but you don't know who we are. <laughs> and just like, you know, pivot, we know you've like taken a step back with YouTube because you're focusing more on your tech startup and we've just seen you grow so much. How do you kind of focus on your self-improvement? How do you make sure that you improve every single day, David? Yeah. Um, there's this one quote. Uh, it's like, um, um, what is it? self-improvement is like showering and you need it every day or something like that. <laughs> it sounds about right. I'll, I'll find the quote. <laughs> but, um, but you get the point. Um, I, I really like to read a lot, um, a lot of articles. Um, I, I read a lot of Harvard Business Review. I read the news a lot. Um, news news when it comes to like informational, you know, types of things. But uh, like I... I you know, I always had this, I think I'm a very curious person. Um, I've always been, even as a kid. And um, I think I, I still have that. It's a huge part of me. And I just want to know. Um, I just want to have a better understanding of uh, the world around me and also uh, myself. Actually, that's the most important thing. I think self-awareness is one of the most important things that people can work on because um, you can't ever change the world around you. Um or your surroundings or your environment, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it, it requires you to change your way of thinking. Um, for example, if you have to deal with like maybe difficult people, um, difficult people will always be there in your life, but it's more so about like, how, how am I going to deal with that? How am I going to interpret it? Or, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's a part of self-improvement. Um, and uh, I think it's very healthy for people to, to do that. Um, I, I would say that at a, um, young age, um, I uh, I did listen to some Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of Tony Robbins. I think it, it, he's someone that really helped me uh, uh, understand myself and um, just got me pumped up about life and, and things that you want to accomplish and the impact you want to make um, to the world. And so um, I would say that he was a big influence for me. Um, I know some people are probably um, ashamed to say that, but <laughs> I'm not, um, I, there's a lot of people along the way that have helped me. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I think I'm always trying to look at myself in, in making sure that, um, I'm on the right path and just making sure that, you know, I make the right decisions and, um, I don't hurt anybody uh, along the way. Yeah. I really like that perspective too, because, I think entrepreneurship is it's kind of kind of an interesting thing because your company can't grow beyond you as a leader, you know, and oftentimes how you feel about the world is reflected. How you feel about yourself is reflected into the world. You know, it's mm-hmm. great that you keep on improving yourself. And I know that you mentioned that you can't control your outside environment, but if you control your own world, your new world be reflected by your internal world, you know, yeah. and also like entrepreneurship is, I would say it's not for everyone because it does make you look deep into who you are as a person yeah. while you're doing this. Sometimes you're just looking at yourself in the mirror like, I could have a much easier life. <laughs> you know, what yeah, I do is pain. <laughs> but yeah, I'm kind of curious too, like 
what are your goals for 2021? Like, what's the one big thing that you hope to accomplish, accomplish this year? Um, I, I want to get this app out. I want to get the app out in the hands of people. Um, you know, we've been working really hard on this and I just, I just have this, um, vision, this goal of really being able to allow, um, and to enable people to be able to build a business as a content creator. Like I I've been able to, um, you know, uh, it, when I, when I first got into that partner program on YouTube, um, I remember that first month I looked at my dashboard, my analytics, um, and I saw like a little bit of money in there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. Like I almost felt like I was stealing in a way because <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just making YouTube videos. I was always, I was, I was already making videos for over a year, maybe a year and a half. And, um, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like maybe if I make some more videos, I'll make a little more money next month. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, I did. And then when I saw a little more in there, I was like, wait, maybe I can do this for a living. And that's <laughs> what kind of triggered this thing in my mind. Wow. I, I mean, I, I love music. Can I do this and, and not have to go get a job somewhere? Mm-hmm. And it really like sparked that in my mind. And, you know, throughout the past, you know, however many years, over 10 years now, um, I feel like a lot of these platforms could have done something more for the creator community yeah. and they didn't. And we all know why, right? It's, it's, it's driven by purely profit. Right. Sure, profits are great. It's important. It's important for a company to grow. But I also at the same time do believe that there's a balance where you can also take care of people and help them um, do what they love to do for a living. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing that we want to do at our company. And we have a long, long way to go. It's, it's going to be a long journey. But, um, you know, the, the heart is there. The intent is, is there. We want to make sure that we're a place where people can do just that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're working night and day, um, just trying to make sure that we can uh, hit that goal. Um, mm-hmm. It's challenging. It's tough. There's a lot of difficulties involved. Um but, you know, our, our eye is, is set there, set on, on, you know, making sure that we can um, pay out as much as we possibly can to the creator community and help them, you know, create yeah. or for a side, as a side hustle. Yeah. I love that mission statement because now that Maggie and I are doing Asian Hustle Network full time, we're like, mm-hmm. how do we keep this thing going? How do we make money? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I really like that, that mission behind you, behind your company. Really yeah. Appreciate that. I, I just love how you're putting creators first and you're definitely right. Like creators do not get enough attention and they don't get the credit that they deserve. And it's a full-time job. Like it takes mm-hmm. so much hard work. And I think a lot of people often have this like misconception that like, Oh, I want to quit my job and just do content creation because it's yeah. so easy. Right. Uh. It's not, it's <laughs> not easy at all. You know? And I, I give props to, you know, all the content creators that just put in so much hard work night and day, just putting out content. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a lot of work and, and they need as much support uh, as they can get. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So over the past, you know, like 10 years, 15 years of you, you know, being an artist, musician, you know, putting out content, how do you normally respond to just like constructive criticism that you get online? Because I think a lot of content creators can emphasize with this as well. They get a lot of, you know, sometimes they get hate comments, sometimes they get like criticism, feedback. How do you normally respond to those? Well, when you get hate comments, you kind of, you know, it, it depends on how you want to perceive it. But I think in the beginning when I was younger, I would get really mad and angry um, that why would someone do that? But then, you know, you, you start learning and, and growing over, you know, um, as, as you get older mm-hmm. uh, and you're like, Oh, maybe they're just having a bad day or they just, maybe they have issues. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want attention um, and, Maybe, or maybe they're just young, right? And, and so there's a lot of different possibilities. Um, it definitely um, thickens up your skin for sure. So you're able to take a lot more. Um, when it comes to constructive criticism, uh, I've always been one to love that. Um, even unsolicited constructive criticism, I am a, I'm a fan of for me. I know most people probably can't take it, but because I have this uh, desire to uh, improve and just become a better person. Um, I, I 
I like that um, because I, I usually, I, I feel like usually it's, it's, they're not saying it because um, just for the sake of saying it, some people do, but I feel like most of the time it's because they have good intent um, or, or they're not feeling um, heard or uh, maybe they, uh, they have issues, but with you. And so um, if they let me know that I can, you know, either accept it or I can say, I don't agree, but this is why I don't agree. Right. It's just being very diplomatic about those types of conversations, but being on the internet, um, being a public figure uh, and putting yourself out there, it's a pretty bold um, uh, thing to do. Um, But it does come with a lot of the responsibility and also, you know, the bad side of things too. And, um, you know, I've, I've firsthand experienced that. Um, and I've also grown from it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just kind of the part of the, the journey social space at the moment. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, we can make some changes and, uh, kind of make things better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I really like your, the mission behind your company mm-hmm. and you know, I see you, this is a very off topic subject, but I see you starting to become really active in clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And what we see with Clubhouse, for my own personal experience, it's like a, I, went, I saw it through different phases. I saw a huge land grab a couple months ago, and now it's like power consolidation. And now it's like, I just want to hear your opinion on like the evolutions of like social media platforms that you've seen in your own personal experience. Yeah. Um, when it comes to social media, it's, uh, they're all very similar. If you really break it down simply. Social media platforms um, essentially is this, it's, it's a place where you can grow a community um, or bring in an existing community and you share a photo, a video or text in the clubhouse's case, audio. So one of these four things, that's what all of these platforms are designed to do. Mm-hmm. Grow your following or community, share a photo, video, text, combination of some of them or audio now. And I think um, Clubhouse in particular, um, that's an exciting platform because um, audio hasn't really been a, a, a tied in with social. Um, I have seen quite a few audio platforms like audio Twitter, um, audio this or that. Um, I guess in some ways, if I cover this screen here and I just talk, it's audio, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of clubhouse. Just <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so, um, social media is really just changing the form factor uh, in in in, in um, addressing one of these four things. Mm-hmm. So I, I know I just kind of oversimplified social media in general. If you look at all the platforms from the past, they they accomplish one of those four things. And yeah. so what it's become now is it's really driven by community. What communities are already out there? What communities already exist? And is there a place for them? Clubhouse, when they first started, um, I mean, I was, I was aware of Clubhouse like a while back, like maybe a year ago. And, um, you know, I know it started with a bunch of VCs, uh, you know, venture capitalists and people in the tech space. Um, and from what I know is it, it kind of like started there um, and then through their network, they had uh, some, maybe some celebrities that came in and then it became this thing where it's like, oh, it's like an exclusive sort of platform. And now I think it's opened up to a lot of people um, and, and it kind of has like this new life, right? Where people can join different rooms. Um, and I think it's cool. Like yesterday, Mark Zuckerberg was on and I managed to get in that room and it was um, cool hearing him talk about, you know, the, the next steps for Facebook with VR and AR. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I know tw- Twitter is also building um, a clubhouse clone called Spaces. So we'll see kind of what happens there. Um, kind of, uh, it's going to be a, <laughs> a bloodbath. <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, you know and, and how we, we fit into this, this uh, space is really, like I said, we're just focused on helping creators create a business from what they do. Um, allowing them to, uh, you know, have all these access to all these tools and in different ways to, to create content and make money from it. Cause mm. what good is an audience or what good is, a you know, building all this stuff if you can't make a penny, 
you're, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be really tough to continue to do that. Yeah. So everybody has bills and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I stayed on topic there. No worries. Yeah. Just out of curiosity too. I mean, you've been in the social media game for so long. What can we do as, as creators seeing this, seeing any platform grow, like what are some tips and advice that you have? Should we go in there and be all about the vanity metrics and be like, all right, jack up your followers really fast before mm-hmm. you, before it consolidates? Like what has been your experience and honest opinion on that? Yeah, man, that's, that's a tough one. Um, the, the vanity metrics, uh, they matter. I mean, you can see it right in social media. If I'm just being very honest, um, they matter, but what matters more is, um, you know, what kind of relationship do you have with your, your community? I think that's, that really matters a lot more. What kind of relationship, how, how, how tight are you? Um, and in as much as it relates in the business world, I think it also applies to the social space. Um, because at the end of the day, like, you know, there's an exchange, right? Um, you're providing information or some sort of value or entertainment uh, for your audience. And their audience is also wanting to get that in return. And maybe they want to support in, in some ways as well. Um, I would say that uh, um, if you want to enter the creator space, um, this would probably be a whole nother podcast, but... <laughs> But I, I, would say that, <laughs> um, I would say that it, it really would require you to know what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not, if you don't know what you're passionate about, what are you good at? Mm-hmm. Like, what do, what do you have domain expertise in? Are you a musician? Are you a musician that is a EDM musician mm-hmm. uh, that creates music? Or are you someone who listens to music? You're, you know, music uh, connoisseur. I don't know if that's the right word, connoisseur of music. Um, or, or maybe you have a business degree and you can educate people on, you know, um, the business world or how to start something. You know, I think every, like, you, you have to kind of figure out what you want to do. And if you don't know, that's okay. It just means you have to just try a bunch of things. And in doing that, you're expanding your, your uh, knowledge and, and uh, your experiences and, and you can take that and figure out exactly what to do next as much as, um, you know, uh, as long as you uh, are really passionate about um, pursuing this space. Yeah. 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 That is a huge knowledge bomb right there. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely agree. I think that, you know, everything that you just said, David, regarding community, passion, like, in building a community, people can actually tell whether or not you're passionate about your mission and oh, your yeah. vision statement. It's pretty obvious to see. And if they know that you're not passionate about it, it's hard for them to follow you, you know, in your yeah. footsteps. And so yeah. I think with all these like new apps, especially with Clubhouse, you know, like you guys were talking about, I think a lot of these new apps are trying to hone in on like who our actual selves are, like who we are in the present moment. Because when you're talking on Clubhouse, it's capturing who you are in that present moment. You can't really like butcher out of that. Yeah. You know? I hate to say this word a lot because I hear it a lot, especially on Clubhouse. It's like, be authentic, be yourself. <laughs> just like, just, I just don't like hearing those words, but like, it's true. Like you do, you can't fake that stuff. Like people can see through that and it creates distrust. Once you have distrust in your community, everything collapses pretty fast. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Authenticity, those words, you know, um, especially in entertainment, um, you know, in social media, those are all words that have kind of been, um, you know, used a lot. And it's, it's true. It's true. Um, I, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, and you know, the thing that that clubhouse doesn't really have is the ability to read someone's face. So, um, <laughs> complicated like um, you know it's like just the voice is your is your voice authentic sounding or mm-hmm. the thing that yeah. you're and also at the same time like you know there's different platforms for different types of people um i feel like clubhouse for me you know when i'm whenever i go on i, I go on as a listener um if i was to be put on uh, the spot to to just continuously talk um that would be quite difficult for me um mm-hmm. but uh you know i i would run out of things to say pretty quickly. <laughs> no, I don't think that's the case. I feel like you have so much knowledge to give. So David, we have one last question for you. And that is what one advice could you give to someone who is trying to get into music or content creation or entrepreneurship or entrepreneurship? Yes. Hmm. One piece of advice. 
That's yeah. a, that's a tough one. Um, you know, there's a, there's a Ted talk out there about, uh, success. What does it take to, to become successful? What's the, what's the number one trait? And, um, what that, what that, uh, episode talked about this, this woman, she said, it's grit. Grit is the number one factor in success. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the picture I painted of the hill with the walls along the way, that's really what grit is. Um, it's being able to, to find a way to break through those walls or climb over it or whatever method you have um, to get to your next destination. And it's okay if you don't, if you want to stop there, it's okay. It's everyone, you know, it's your life, right? Like it, it depends on how big your aspirations are. Some people have high aspirations, some people have low aspirations and that's okay. Um, but in order to reach the level of success that a lot of people talk about, you have to have that grit. Sorry about the dogs. Um, (laughs) um, you have to have that grit. Like it, you know, if I, I wouldn't have gotten to this, this point, um, there's a lot that I didn't really talk about in terms of the struggles of where I got to where I am, even as a, you know, a tech founder now, um, you know, th- I went through a lot in between YouTube and, and this, um, and I could have easily quit. There were a lot of moments where I, I, I should have quit actually, but I didn't. And, and because I didn't, um, we're in this position now, right. Um, and yet another hill, yet another mountain to climb. But, um, but like you said, it's not, it's not the path for everyone. Um, but, uh, for those who have those high aspirations um, and really wants to make like a huge, you know, difference. Um, those are the, you know, mountains you have to climb. Mm-hmm. So. Love it. Love Very that good advice. And we cannot wait to hear more about Taco. Um, and how can our listeners find out more about you and Taco online? He's already famous. <laughs> yes. we, need, we need somewhere to go. We need to direct the viewers somehow. <laughs> Um, I mean, uh, for taco, it's just tacoapp.com or taco.app. Uh, that's, that's our domain where you can sign up, um, and just be, you know, uh, be updated on, on the latest news and whatnot. Uh, for me, um, I mean, I have an Instagram, David Choi music. Um, I mean, YouTube, David Choi music, Twitter, David Choi music, uh, just type David Choi on Google it. Probably. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Right. It was amazing hearing your story today, David. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, David. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate right. it. And good luck with um, uh, Asian Hustle Network. I, I'm. I, I love seeing you guys grow as well. So. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top ten on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.